the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I am Dr. Matt Sobolski. I am uh, the host and co-host of the Voice of Healthcare podcast. We are moving to a social audio format. I am joined today by my co-host, Dr. Reed McClellan. Say hello, Reed. Hey, Matt. Glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here with you, too. And for Reed, um, we have a very special guest. Uh, Alex, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and share with us your role? Um, and then I'll kick us off conversations about COVID-19 a year later. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Alex Jahunger. I am um, the chair of the National Metro Coronavirus Task Force, um, a position I've held for the past 18 months. Um, I'm uh, he, here in Nashville, I'm also a practicing um, orthopedic surgeon, at, um, and so appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. Well, it's wonderful having you here. Um, you know, Reed and I, uh, not long ago, we had the pleasure of having you on sort of in the thick of all of this. And, you know, at the time, um, I don't think we had had vaccines developed. We were talking a great deal about bed space, converting garages, um, mass- Use, transmission rates, you name it. Um, tell me a year later, how did it go? Where are we now? Great. Um, so, you know, we are now at um, literally the first case of COVID hit Nashville on March 7th of 2020. And, and how, what a distance we've come. As of today, um, 100,000. 523 Nashvilleans have been infected. And to put that in perspective, there's about a little less than 700,000 Nashvilleans. So over one in seven Nashvilleans have become sick with this disease. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, we have also lost 940 Nashvilleans with this disease. And and that 940, while um, obviously a hard number to hear and, and that each individual means a great deal, um, that puts our mortality rate for the city at about 0.9%. And when you compare us to the state, um, 1.5% of the people in, uh, who became affected in the state have died, and about one8 um, and sometimes 2% of the United States of people got infected died. So as a mortality, we're actually uh, have less have, have seen less mortality in Nashville. Now, if we had this conversation at the beginning of July, um, I would really be high-fiving, right? Because we had at that point, about 400 active cases. So people are currently infected with the disease. As of this morning, we have um, 1,166. And I've seen that number really exponentially go up over the past few weeks. Um, and it's hypothesized mainly because of um, the Delta variant. Um, now, the other question you may ask is, how are we doing regarding vaccination? And I think with vaccinations, we as a city um, are, are actually doing doing reasonably well. We have had now 51% um, of our city has received um, one, do- or excuse me, 52% have now received one dose and 48% are fully vaccinated. And um, that's about 10 points higher than the, the rest of the state. Um, and just maybe a touch shy of the national average. And so um, I, I think we're making a progress. We vaccinated about 75% of those 55 and older, and that's why we've seen a decrease in our mortality in that age group. But that's kind of a really quick just stats of where we are as a city. Okay. Well, fantastic sort of, uh, of dialogue there on, on where we are as a city currently. Uh, we're hearing – I'm just going to move to what's current. Uh, we're talking about Delta. We're talking – Events. We're talking about getting the unvaccinated. The uh, theme lately has been that this is a 
a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, there are questions of liberty, of choice, of public health. Um, tell us about the current fight and what's ahead of us with this Delta variant uh, and breakthroughs and, and uh, the health of the city as a function of that. Yeah, so I think that description of, uh, I've heard many people use terminology, a pandemic of the unvaccinated is, is, is pretty accurate, right? Um, the state just released, um, of the te- one of, of the, let me give you some stats, 2,642,285 Tennesseans have been vaccinated. So 2.6 million. Of that 2.6 million, there's only been 1,000 cases of COVID in that 2.6 million, million. So super low um, breakthrough rates. It, it, it's not zero, but it, it happens. More so, if you look at who's in our hospitals right now, um, most of our hospitalizations across the state, 97 to 99% are unvaccinated. I would say almost all of our deaths are in people who are unvaccinated. So it's not that you won't necessarily become infected if you get the disease, although super low risk of that. Um, it's that you won't have as big of a of a disease burden and you won't be one of these people who are hospitalized or die. What I also want to highlight, though, Matt, is, is, you know, there is a large percentage of our population under the age of 12 that's still not eligible for the vaccine. So while I think it's sometimes very easy to say, well, it's my choice, my body, I'll, I'll get vaccinated or not. You know, I have three kids under 12. I think we have to, as a society, still remember that there there's a large percentage of our population that is not eligible for the vaccine, who would probably choose to get the vaccine if they were. And so we can't just say, be laissez-faire about it and just say whatever, um, because there's still a certain amount of population that is not qualified. So we still have to be vigilant. Um, but I think as, as we're seeing with the numbers I just mentioned, um, those that are unvaccinated are pretty much the ones getting the worst of this disease. And Alex, who determines <clears throat> qualification numbers? Is that the CDC? Is that the individual pharma manufacturers? Or is that at the state level? No, that that is purely through CDC and FDA, through the research that was presented to them for the emergency use authorization. Um, so Pfizer and Moderna, um, as well as Johnson Johnson, initially were approved for 18 um and, and over then the Moderna and Pfizer group, um, you know, actually Pfizer was a little lower than that, but let's just say 18 over for now. But then they presented additional data 12 for the 12 and up age. The reason I understand that I think the next group range will be five to 12 years old. But the reason that there is a little slower in the unveiling of that is the FDA requires six months of follow up versus three months, which was used for the EUAs for the 12 and over. So, um, so you, you do the trials, which are all complete now. The data is being presented, but they want six months of follow-up post-vaccination. And so that six months will push people until late fall or um, early winter before an EUA can be considered for that 5- to 12-year-old range. And then eventually younger than 5. And, you know, Alex, since we have you on here, I <clears throat> it seems that uh, a lot of individuals uh, are becoming doctors themselves and, 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 and speaking <laughs> on – uh, social media platforms uh, and different uh, avenues saying uh, things that they claim to be facts, which can be very dangerous. And uh, as an, a true expert in the field, uh, one thing that I read recently, um, I believe it was a comment under Senator Frist, who is uh, really urging all Tennesseans to, to get the vaccine, was that this is not FDA approved. Can you please explain what the uh, an emergency use uh 
act in EUA actually is and that and and what that means with the FDA and quote their approval. Yeah, um, what that means is 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 this. So the FDA, you know, all these vaccines. I want to be I want to be very clear. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it really irked me when I see. Um, there, there are senators, state, you know, there's, there are politicians out there who say this is not an approved vaccine. It's not an approved vaccine. Well, that's frankly false. This is a vaccine that has gone through the, the clinical, the phase one, phase two, phase three clinical trials. Um, we, they, they, they sped up the process of, of rolling it out under this thing called emergency use authorization in moments such as pandemics or sometimes in, let's say, there's a cancer treatment that need to come out which still went through the whole FDA process. All it is doing is, is allowing a little bit of, of a sooner access to market. Still, the follow-up is continuing. I mean, think about now, millions and millions. In Tennessee alone, 2.6 million people have received this vaccine. Around the world, hundreds of millions of people have received this vaccine. So there's, there's follow-up for all these people. There are adverse reactions. And I think I'd like to highlight you know, what, what happened with Johnson Johnson a few months ago. So there were some a few possible adverse outcomes that quickly because of that quickly stopped it and allowed people to have some examination of, of the vaccine. Um, so they've been approved. They've gone through panels of experts who reviewed all the data. I know exactly what you mean, Alex, that some senators are saying that it's, it's not FDA approved. I, I want to be clear. Senator Frist was actually saying that you need to get vaccinated. It is FDA approved. And, you know, one of the millions of followers he has, just commented and I, I actually took the time to read through it, oh, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and, and I'm sure Senator Frist would come back and also have said the same thing. You said that, no, no, the FDA actually has approved it. You know, both myself and Matt as uh, co-host of the voice of healthcare podcast, we've been vaccinated for a while. Now we're doing just fine. Uh, as like you said, hundreds of millions of people around the, the world, you know, the, another question, uh, something else that's kind of seems to have popped up is that, <clears throat> The, the thought process that vaccinated individuals are, quote, just going back a, 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 along with normal life, if, if you will. And the fact that we haven't really truly reached herd immunity with less than with only 50 to 55 percent of uh, the, this, the United States being uh, vaccinated. Are vac- can, can you educate uh, our listeners and ourselves on the fact that our vaccinators and our individuals that have been vaccinated, can they still be carriers of the uh, of the of, of COVID, whether it be the Delta variant, the Lambda variant, or the original uh, COVID COVID disease? Yeah, so you know the studies are still kind of pending out there regarding this, but the general consensus I've seen from a lot of people is, yes, in theory, you you can still be a carrier and still spread it, although it is hypothesized they'll spread it. Although it is hypothesized that the amount of viral load you shed is, is much less. So even if you are a vaccinated individual who, who does get the virus, which, again, small possibility of it happening, but it can happen, um, you probably will not be as, as infectious to others. Um, but, but I think it is an important point that to realize that you still can get it. So if you have symptoms, so I've personally had four friends in the past um, I don't know, a month that have, have actually tested positive. And um, these people typically, the reason they got the test is um, one of them actually lost her sense of, of smell, um, although for a very short time, right? A few days later, it came back. Another one was just feeling really run down and tired and went to the doctor and 
the doctor's like, well, let's just test you and, and surprise it was positive. But here's the thing. If you are vaccinated and you, let's say your, your partner is, is also um, test positive, because you're vaccinated, you don't have to self-isolate, right? You don't have to disrupt your life. And so vaccines um, are so important to even continue to, to continue business, to continue life, education, um, those are really important things that I think is, is important, but yeah, you can, in theory, possibly spread. And that's why for me, um, with my own kids, I'm, I'm very careful because I don't want to get my kids infected because we, you know, while again, the kids will probably do fine and won't have any terrible outcomes There's a small chance that can happen. And then what we still don't know is what are the long-term impacts of becoming infected with COVID, the long haulers as they're calling them or post COVID syndrome. I mean, there's, there's all this unknown that we still don't know that I just, why expose somebody to that if you can avoid it. So the question becomes, uh, you know, and, and to anecdotal points of view, I, this is interesting. I have a friend of mine, he's a general family practitioner down on the Gulf coast of Alabama. Um, his wife and him both got vaccinations and everyone in the family just this week tested positive for, for COVID. Um, is there, that's rare according to the science and what you know right now, Alex, are we headed towards a place where we're going to have to have masks again, or it might be recommended that we have masks again, even if viral load is reduced and, um, contagion is reduced. Um, it's a great question. Um, my general feeling from a policy standpoint is I don't believe that in this region we're going to necessarily go for a uh, we're going to implement any kind of formal mask mandate and so forth. But I, w- I think what is important is people really judge for themselves what is in their what what best is suits them. So again, as I mentioned, when I go out with my kids, they wear a mask and I wear a mask to model that behavior. If I'm in a super crowded place or that I'm not very comfortable that there's there's a lot of vaccinated people, I may wear a mask because, again, I don't want to bring this home. Um, as we look at schools opening up, um, you know, elementary schools, the probability of any of those children being vaccinated is zero, right? Because age 12 is, I think, fifth, sixth, is like sixth grade. And so I think we need to be paying more attention to the situation in which you are in and determine mask requirements around that. Um, and that, that I think is an important, um, important way to look at, look at this situation rather than a blanket mass vac, uh, or mass, excuse me, mask mandate, um, because the CDC recommendations currently have not changed is if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. And thus from a policy standpoint, um, if we're truly following the science, that's the science that we're, we've been presented with. So, um, let's make a segue. Um, it's an interesting topic to, to, go down, but probably not as interesting as some other larger topics that are pending, which are, you mentioned schools. Tell us about schools. Um, where are we with the science, with children and masking, going back to school? Um, what's the recommendation or what are you all talking about to make some recommendation? Um, well, I, I want to first preface this discussion saying I am not, in, I am not um, involved in any of the discussions around national public schools, um, especially their masks, um, masking or not masking as of this morning, from what I hear, Metro public school still is making it optional. Um, but independent schools around town, uh, some of them are requiring it because the American Academy of Pediatrics just came out, I believe either this week or late last week that recommended wearing a mask. Um, the science hasn't changed that if you're not vaccinated, you have a risk of, of transmitting disease and getting sick. 
kids under 12 are not vaccinated. I have three kids under 12. Um, you know, I, I think that one has to be cognizant of that. Mask last year, a lot of my kids' school um, was able to stay open because most people, they had protocols in place that kept the kids safe. You know, good airflow through the rooms, um, kids wearing masks, kids um, keeping as much distance as is, is, is possible for a, a you know, young kid. These are all things we can still do. It worked. It worked last time. Right. And, and there's no reason not to do it. Now, as you get into high school, I think the biggest recommendation I have to parents is get, get encourage your kids to get vaccinated. Take them to the place. Get them vaccinated, um, because that's the best way to allow your kid to have a normal high school senior yeah, year. Right on. Have them go to prom, have them have them go to the sporting events, all the things that I still love. Twenty five years after graduating high school, man, we got to get into those opportunities. There's a very easy way for them to do it. So that's great answer. Um, you know, we, we had a fellow on the show uh, from a company called R Zero. Do you remember him, Reed Grant Morgan, I believe? And he had yeah, absolutely yeah, a, Grant. This UVC devices that they develop and they put into space. And this, this conversation, your answer reminds me of early on in the pandemic when we were all learning about how do you handle viral transfers like this, and it's sort of like the Swiss cheese model, right? Like distance, wear a mask, avoid public places. Uh, minimize people uh, in a space, it's largely possible that the oscillations of COVID and the mutations or any other respiratory illness are going to bounce up and down over the next couple of years. I mean, I don't, it doesn't look like we're going to get, get rid of it magically. That being the case, in, in a year's time, what's worked for Nashville and, and beyond masks and beyond schools and beyond all the other you know sort of rhetoric we're hearing, where do you think we go into the fall uh, in order to sort of limit these breakthrough infections, other mutations, and make living as much as normal as possible while staying healthy. Well, I, listen, I I think um, I mean I, I apologize if I sound like a broken record, but I literally find that this is my most important message that that I can deliver, and I and I deliver it knowing that a talking head in isolation isn't going to get this message across to everyone. Vaccines work. Vaccines are easy. Vaccines are cheap, i.e., they're free, and vaccines are safe. I think what is critical is is everyone not only get vaccinated, but help your friends and family members and those that you love um, recognize the importance of this. Get them out there. Get them vaccinated. Um, if there's questions, you know, reach out to me. Heck, I've t- I had, yesterday I had a conversation with a 20-something-year-old person who was a f- you know six six groups so far from each other, like six degree separation. But he had questions. We need to help those we love get vaccinated to protect them, and we need to. And but we but again, people at this point aren't listening to the guy on the screen or some random doctor who's sitting here in his office, right? They're listening to their friends, their families, their clergy. So we need to do that first thing. Okay, so let's just just say let's just be very clear. Vaccines are what we have a very easy intervention that works. But beyond that, I think people still need to use common sense, right? Um, there are we we did it the past eighteen months or before the vaccine, right? The distancing, the masking. Um, I had a dinner party in my house last night. Everyone was vaccinated, but we did it outside on my patio, right? So we had good airflow. Um, just to just be to be safe, right? Because I know one of the parties might have been a little immune compromised. Um, we just need to just just be smart. I mean, we we all know what to do at this point. 
does you know i've gone back to almost everything i enjoy doing i've go see live concerts which is so great i mean i've missed live music in the city i go to sporting events like there's just so much to do let's just be smart about it yeah i love that i love the idea of being smart getting vaccines that critical nature of ease access um and their effectiveness and living life uh, but doing so with this knowledge alex do you think um do you think that these are end- endemic uh, this this virus is in to talk about for the next couple decades. Um, yeah, I think it will be endemic, and the reason it'll be endemic is because we we're not going to get a um, ninety nine to one hundred percent of people vaccinated. Um, you know, I think polio, smallpox went away because we had such a high acceptance of vaccines, and this vaccine this virus has shown to mutate very quickly, um, and. You know, it's just going to probably become another coronavirus like so many other stuff we have that are coronaviruses that are tedious. But um, there's probably going to be, you know, hopefully, I don't know if and nobody's been able to tell me whether we need a booster shot at some point or not. Um, but we're going to all live with, with COVID. But again, living with COVID, just like you live with the flu, is for most people, isn't the end of the world, yeah. right? And so get a vaccine. Yeah, you may get, you may get a little little COVID stuff that, that sucks for a few days and then you get on with it. Um, but we're not going to eradicate this thing because it mutates so quickly and people don't seem to, um, people, as long as there's a host, it's going to mutate. And, you know, 30% of America is still a host because they haven't gotten vaccinated. And a lot more of that 60% of Tennessee are still hosts because they haven't gotten vaccinated. So Alex, last time you were on the show, I offered you this opportunity. I'm going to offer it to you one more time. Um, you've offered us critical information about vaccines. You've offered us, of course, your educated and well-informed opinion about what's worked for Nashville and, and, the, and the impact on Nashville. If listeners uh, to this live show, as well as our podcast, uh, could hear one thing from you uh, about your hope and your wish for the Nashville city as we move forward through this pandemic, last word to you, my friend. Thank you. Um, well, get vaccinated. So thank, I have to one last time. But beyond that, I think let's all still be um, have civility and um, have um, an understanding of your fellow neighbor. And, you know, some of us are are um, going to be more anxious getting out in public. Uh, people are going to want to wear masks, whether you've never been vaccinated. There's no reason. Don't don't you, you, be welcoming of people who want to have that hesitancy of, of not wear masks on the same the same corollary is. Also, be patient of those who may have some hesitancy around the vaccine, but want need to learn more. Right? Don't don't just make assumptions. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to your friends. See what is what is their hesitancy. Um, and, and if if it's all coming from a place of goodwill, I think as a city, as a state, as a country, we're going to rise ab- above this. Now, if if we don't do that, we're just going to remain this this weird polit- politicization of of health that is just not healthy for. Literally not healthy for for us, but also not healthy for the ideals that we all love so much. Alex, thank you. This has been the Voice of Healthcare podcast. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Hey, greatly a pleasure. Thank you. To all our listeners, you can find us online at Apple, the Voice of Healthcare podcast. See you next time.